Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today as we begin a series on Advent because that's the season that we are in. We're in the season of Advent, a season of hope, a season of anticipation, a season of waiting and longing for Christ to arrive. And so I'm really, really glad that you are here because what I believe that Advent is all about, it is really about a divine invitation for us to encounter and experience Jesus. That's what Advent is all about. It's about a divine invitation for us to actually experience and encounter Jesus Christ. And so over Advent, that's going to be our entire kind of focus. Our focus will be looking at how do we actually encounter and experience Jesus? Because I really do believe in all that's going on in the world today with some of the like lingering like drama and relationships, some of the tension, the general fatigue that many people feel just from carrying through a really long season, what I believe we need now more than ever, what I believe we now need is an actual experience with Jesus, a personal encounter, a really deep revelation and transformation with him. And that is what Advent is all about. Then in the midst of all that you might be longing for, right, in the midst of all that you might be hoping for, whether it's for Christmas gift shopping to be done, whether it's for a new promotion or kids to get along, like all of these things are good things. What I think we need really one layer deeper, the real thing that we need is for Jesus to show up in our lives. I think that's what we need, for him to show up. And that is what Advent is all about. It's a divine uh, invitation for us to actually experience Jesus together. So over the course of Advent, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring the birth narratives and seeing how did God show up then, believing that if God acted that way then, he will act that way today. And we're going to be exploring then to see how you might connect with Jesus to experience him in your everyday life and all that is going on. And I'm really excited about this. And I want to begin with a word of hope, actually. I want to begin with a word of hope that as we start off this Advent season, seeking, longing, hoping for Jesus, here's what I want to remind you of. And this is at the base of Christianity. This is at the center of our Christian faith. It's just this, that as you are seeking for God, guess what? God is seeking for you. That Jesus actually wants to encounter you. That Jesus is taking the first step towards you. That finding God isn't something we do. Finding God is something that he does, actually. That he arrives. He shows up. He encounters us. He changes us. He transforms us. This is what Advent and Christmas is all about. It is about Jesus Christ arriving, moving into our neighborhoods so that we might be changed, so that we might come to know him, so that we might be welcomed and included. This is the message of Christmas, and this is the message of Advent, and I'm really excited to be able to explore these stories over the next kind of four weeks together, really looking at how did Jesus and God show up then and how might he show up in our lives today? Because I think we need a divine encounter with him. I think we need an experience with him. I think that's where it all begins. And so today, today we're going to begin actually in Luke 1. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to open them up to Luke 1. And we're going to begin actually, and this might sound a little bit funny, but we're going to begin actually not with Jesus, but with his cousin, John. Because when it comes to the Advent stories, when it comes to the birth stories of Jesus, the gospel writer Luke, he begins actually not with Jesus. He begins actually with his cousin John and his birth. It kind of sets the scene for everything. It sets up some of the context that God is again moving in a new way in Israel. And so I want to begin by exploring uh, this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of Jesus' cousin John to kind of set the scene for us to understand uh, more about how Jesus shows up and arrives as well. But before we begin and dive in deeper, I just want to take a moment and to name something that really um, is both deeply personal to some and also can be quite sensitive to some. That the story that we are going to be reading, it is about a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they are deeply longing for a child, but unable to conceive. 
I just want to name this right up front because this is not simply an ancient day hope that some people have of longing for children or wanting a child or being unable to conceive a child or also of going through some of the grief of a loss of a child or a miscarriage. This is not an ancient day you know, um, reality. It's also a very present day reality for many people in our church and many people in our community where they might have some of the exact same struggles. So as we go to explore this story, I just want to really um, name the fact that for some of you, this might be very, very personal for you when you hear of Zachariah and Elizabeth's struggles. But here's the hope I really believe in the midst of all of this, is that my great deep hope in the Bible and in these stories is that they are not just stories, actually. They're history. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see Zechariah and Elizabeth, people with really deep burdens. We're going to see them carry them, but we're also going to see how God shows up in the midst of them. And what I really do believe is wherever you may be at today, whatever you may be carrying, whatever your specific burdens, wounds, or heaviness may be, that God wants to show up for you as well. And so with that understanding, let's kind of dive in today, uh, beginning in Luke 1, okay? So I want to read the very kind of first verse for us in verse 5. This is kind of the beginning of the trajectory of the story of Jesus and how he arrives. Okay, so we read this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. Okay, it says this. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. This is the opening statement to kind of set context for all that's about to happen in the Gospel of Luke. All right? And here, right at the beginning, um, if you're new to reading the Bible, what you should realize is that the Bible actually has many different layers. It's like a layered reading. There is so much depth in the Bible, actually. And here, right off the bat, what we see is that there are three things that are being actually signaled with just this first verse. That first, this is a story that is set in the context of oppression. It's about a Messiah. And it's also about hope that is delayed and hope that is deferred. Okay? So I want to explain what I mean by this. By first, we know that this is a story that is set in the context of oppression because what we read, it says this, when Herod was king of Judea, and King Herod, if you don't know this, he was a brutal man. He was a tyrant. He was ruthless. He parlayed power with the Romans to being able to be king of the Jews. And he was just a ruthless, ruthless dictator all about oppression. And so as soon as the Bible mentions that, what we know is that the story we're about to read and encounter, okay, this is set in the context of oppression. What we also know is it's also set in the context of hope of there being a Messiah and new life and someone to change what is going on. Because what the text says is it says there was a Herod, uh, when Herod was king in Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah isn't just a random name. Okay? Zechariah is a name with a history. Zechariah is a name with layers to it. That in our Bibles, there was actually a book of the Bible called the book of Zechariah. And in it, it tells the story of a priest and a prophet named Zechariah who actually shares really uh, all about this coming Messiah, all about a one who will show up and put the world right who will actually bring justice and overthrow the oppression, who will actually make the world run as it was meant to. And so as soon as the name Zechariah is mentioned, it's going to trigger and remember and signal this to all the Jewish readers. In fact, the name Zechariah actually means Yahweh remembers. That Yahweh remembers his promises. That Yahweh remembers his promise of there being a Messiah and of a new hope that would come. So as soon as we read of both King Herod and of Zechariah, we know that this is a story that is about oppression and also a Messiah coming. And the third thing that we would know is it's also about hope that is deferred or delayed. Because we read that this priest uh, named Zechariah is a priest. And what priests did in that day and age, really, was what they did was they mediated your relationship with God. That's what they did. They kind of were a go-between in some way, shape, or form, or fashion. And what they did then was they actually explained how God was working and active on earth. So Zechariah is a priest. What he would have been acutely aware of 
what he'd been acutely aware of is that the world is not as it was meant to be. That every day when he would go up to the temple to serve or to work or to be there, what he would be reminded of is that the Romans were in charge, is that Herod was in charge, was that God's promise of him leading hadn't yet been fulfilled. So what we know is that he would have been a man who actually had hope for change, but that this hope was being delayed and deferred, where he was wondering, where he was wondering, is change ever going to come? So that's the context of the story. It's the context of oppression and the Messiah and people who are really hoping for something, but where hope always seemed on the horizon, never really arriving. So with that understanding, let's dive a little bit deeper and read the next few verses of the story. So as we said, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line, and a priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. And they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. And so here we get introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And really we get told of two things. First, that they were faithful and righteous. And secondly, that they were carrying some burdens and some heaviness and some weight. So the first thing we read really clearly is that they were actually uh, righteous, that they were holy, that they were faithful people. We read that they were both either priests or from a priestly line. So what this means is their entire lives would have revolved around the temple, you know, following the commandments and the rituals and the rhythms that God had given to them. And the text is really clear. It says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were seen as people who were holy and true and faithful, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. But then what we also read what we also read is that it carries some deep wounding, too. It says this, And they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, in our uh, present day and age, for those who are longing for a child, for those who are unable to conceive, this is a really deep hope and a wound that can be there as well. But in the ancient day, there's actually even more layers to this. In the ancient day, what was often thought, although this would be incorrect, but was often thought, popularly perhaps, was that sometimes if someone was unable to conceive, that this was actually um, a sign of God's disposition towards them, that perhaps uh, they were not uh, in God's good favor. The idea kind of ran like this, is that if you're righteousness and faithful, that should result in fruitfulness or children. This was kind of a common day assumption. So what this means then is that Zachariah and Elizabeth not only um, carried with them this really deep hope and longing and hurt of not being able to conceive children, they also likely carried along with them some of the social stigma that came along with that. Some of perhaps the social shame or exclusion or some people whispering or that sort of thing that what Zachariah and Elizabeth know is they know what it is to hope for something, but to be waiting and to be unsure and to carry a burden, a wound, that sort of thing. They know what it is to carry something that's quite heavy and to also feel some of the social costs of that carrying. And so we get introduced to Zachariah and Elizabeth, righteous people, but people who also are carrying some very heavy burdens. And I think, I think so far right away, even if we just pause for a moment, I think that actually Zachariah and Elizabeth is somebody that we can actually quite deeply relate to. And what I mean by that is, yes, of course, if we look at our day-to-day lives, our lives are very different than Zachariah and Elizabeth's day-to-day lives. But I think if we go one layer deeper into their hopes, into their dreams, into their burdens that they carry, I think many of us can relate actually to them. Because Zachariah and Elizabeth are people who know what it is to hope for something, to wait and to long and to wonder, and to wonder, where is God in the midst of this? That would be a question they would actually be wrestling with almost every single day, I'm sure of it. Where is God in the midst of this? So if you 
If you have ever longed for something deeply but been unable to see it, if you have ever actually carried some social shame or stigma with something you can't change within, if you have ever asked the question wondering, God, where are you in the midst of this? Or if you've ever said, God, I don't know if I can hold out for hope with this any longer. I think you can understand exactly where Zachariah and Elizabeth are at. Because that's the same sort of things they would be asking. And what I'm really interested in then is how, when you're in that space, when you're in a place of, can we put it this way, of hope deferred, right, or hope delayed, how do you find God? How does he show up? How might you even find hope? Because here's what I know personally, and you might be able to agree with this, is that the longer you have to hold on to hope, the harder it is. The longer that you have to hold on to hope, the harder it is. The more you might wonder and doubt and question, that's the space that Zachariah and Elizabeth are in, wondering and wondering and wrestling with where is God? How can they hold on to hope and what might happen? So understanding some of where they're at, their personal space. Now let's uh, see what happens and how uh, God shows up in their lives, paying attention to this, also then believing that God might show up in the exact same ways for us. So let's continue on. So we read this. One day. I love that. One day. It's like a regular day. Right? One day. Zechariah was serving at the temple, uh, serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. This was a really big honor, actually. Um, this would likely not happen. Um, it was done um, by lot. So this would be something that Zechariah likely has never experienced before. This is a new thing. This is an exciting thing. It's a really special moment. And it says this, and while, incest, uh, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. So Zechariah receives this really amazing opportunity. And uh, let's read what happens. When Zechariah was in the sanctuary, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and he was overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. This was not what he was expecting. He was expecting to go in to do his, his job, to do his role, to do his ritual, right? To continue. And all of a sudden he sees an angel and he's overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. Maybe today, that's just something that you need to hold on to, right? That God is the one who hears our prayers. God is the one who hears our prayers. And if you've been offering a prayer to God, he has heard it. That's maybe something for some of you to hold on to today. So the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you're to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or any other alcoholic drink, and he will be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people uh, for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. This is an amazing prophecy. This is an amazing promise. Angels showing up and saying, really, Zechariah, what's happening is everything is about to change. Zechariah then said to the angel, he said, well, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in the years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled in the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out and he couldn't speak to them, they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home 
Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So here in the story, what we see, as we see of Zechariah and Elizabeth, people who know, as even Elizabeth said there, who know some of the shame of social exclusion, some of the disgrace, some of the hurt that they've been carrying for a long time, and they encounter an angel of the Lord, and all of a sudden, the hope that they have been longing for is no longer hope that is deferred, it is hope that is found. They get the amazing promise that God is showing up, that new things are happening, that their son will actually be leading many to the Lord. It is an amazing encounter with God. It's an amazing promise from God. And what I want to really notice, what I want to really pay attention for, is how did they have this encounter? Right? Obviously, it happened through an angel. Obviously, that part is there. But I want to really pay attention for what led them actually up to having this encounter. What is it that kind of prepared them for this? How is it that God showed up in their lives, believing that if God showed up then, he'll also show up for us today? And what I want to notice is that, that I think that there are two things that kind of leads Zechariah up until having this encounter, okay? And they are faithfulness and everyday moments, okay? Faithfulness and everyday moments. So the first thing that I think happens for Zechariah is that the text is really clear, and I think this is what prepares him for this encounter with God, is that Zechariah was faithful, right? This is really, really clear in the text. Zechariah was faithful. He followed all of the Lord's commandments. He actually had his life revolve around uh, the temple around following things and doing all the right things. Zechariah was faithful. Well, I want to be really clear with this. When I say that Zechariah was faithful, what I don't mean, okay, what I don't mean is that Zechariah was perfect or that Zechariah had certainty. I actually think that that isn't true. What you notice in the text really is that, yes, Zechariah was faithful. He didn't give up. He kept doing the right things and following all of the commands. But I think deep down in Zechariah's heart, follow with me, there was deep doubt. There was deep doubt. Or maybe we can put it this way. There was what's called the fragility of belief. That yes, he believed in God. Yes, he wanted to follow him. Yes, he was faithful. But his faith was riddled with doubt and wondering and wrestling and uncertainty. And I think that this matters for us. Because when we talk about faithfulness then, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean having everything together all the time. Faithfulness simply means not giving up and not giving in. And I think we see this aspect of his fragility of his belief and of his faith in his encounter with the angel. Because what happens? The angel shows up, right? And the angel gives him the most amazing promises ever. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. And he starts to share about how John will change the world, about what will happen. It is all that Zechariah has been hoping for. He's been hoping that God would show up again in a new way and in his country and his people. He's been praying for a child. This is the answer to every single one of his hopes. But then notice with me. Notice with me. Notice with me Zachariah's response. Zachariah's response. He says this. He says, how can I be sure this will happen? How can I be sure this will happen? How can I be sure this will happen? Let's put this in context, right? That Zachariah right now is he is having an encounter and a conversation with an angel. Right? With a messenger of God, with uh, the holy ones of God. Like, this is an amazing supernatural moment. He is having all of these promises given to him by an angel. And then notice his response. His response is still one where there's doubt that creeps in, where there's still uncertainty, where there's still worry, fear, whatever it may be. Listen to how he says it. He says, How can I be sure that this will happen? How can I be sure that this will happen? Do you hear the doubt there? Do you hear the fragility? 
Do you hear someone who almost doesn't want to let his hopes get too far ahead, right? Because he's worried about the expectations not being met. So when I say that Zechariah was faithful, that part is unquestionably clear. The text is really clear with this. He was righteous, he was holy, he was faithful. And I think that this did prepare him to encounter God. But I want to be clear with that, that when I'm saying that he is faithful, it doesn't mean somebody who has perfect faith. It doesn't mean somebody who doesn't wrestle with doubt. It doesn't mean somebody who has it all put together. No, faithfulness in this context, I think what it means is not giving in and not giving up. Because when we see Zechariah's inner life kind of revealed with his encounter with the angel, we realize that yes, he was faithful, but there was also doubt there too. And that both can coexist together. So the first thing that I think really prepares Zechariah for his encounter with an angel and God is really his faithfulness. The second thing that actually um, kind of prepares him for it, and this might sound funny, it's an everyday, regular moment. What I love about the story, actually, what I love about the story is actually some of the ordinariness of it. And I know some of it is not very ordinary and regular. Obviously, like an angel showing up and speaking is not very ordinary and regular. That's something that we seem to happen, you know, every single day. But just notice with me how the text puts it, that really Zachariah's encounter with God, it happens in the midst of his everyday ordinary life, right? Listen to what the text says. It says this, one day, just one day, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. Here's some of the familiarity with it, the regularness, the ordinariness of it. Like we could faithfully translate that and be like, well, Zechariah had a shift. So Zechariah was working. He was doing his thing, right? It was a normal, ordinary, regular kind of, of a day or week. His, his order was just on that week. So he was working. And don't let the fact that he was, I don't know, serving in a temple fool you, right? In any job, there comes monotony and routine, okay? Whether you're a fry cook, firefighter, pastor, or priest, there is monotony and routine to the job. So uh, Zechariah, he's just going through his regular, ordinary day. And it's in the midst of his regular, ordinary working that he actually has this extraordinary encounter with God, where he meets with the angel, where things are really changed. I just think that this matters for us to notice and to pay attention to. That where Zechariah encounters God, it's in the midst of his everyday life. And I think that should give you hope. I know it gives me hope. Because what it means is, is that to have a real encounter with God, to have a real experience with Jesus, this doesn't need to happen outside of our regular, ordinary kind of rhythms and routines. It happens right in the middle of them, right? That's where God shows up. Zechariah is faithful, going about his everyday routines, and that's when God shows up. I think we even notice this at the end of the passage. At the end of the passage, what we read is this, and it says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home, right? He was just doing his thing. God showed up in the midst of it, and then he continued to go back to his normal routine, and then he went home, right? There's some ordinariness in it, and I think that's actually a word of hope for us. So what does this mean for us all today? Well, as we look at throughout the series, how we can really have a divine encounter and experience with God, Right? What I think we notice here in this passage is that we are introduced to Zachariah and Elizabeth, two people, two people who are knowing what it is to hold on to deep hope, to deep longings, to deep burdens as well. And in the midst of all of that, where they discover God is really in the midst of their everyday life while they are faithfully seeking to follow him. That's where God shows up. It's in the midst of their everyday life when they're seeking to faithfully, simply follow him. So today, what's my main point if you want to have a divine encounter or experience uh, with God or with Jesus. Here's my main point today. The way I think that we have those is to seek to be faithful, watching and waiting in your everyday life to encounter God. That's my main point today. That if you want to have an actual personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and I believe he wants to have one with you, here's what I think this story reveals to us, that we can do that 
through seeking, seeking to be faithful, watching and waiting for God in our everyday life. That's what happened to Zechariah. He had his hopes, he had his dreams, and he was faithful. He prayed, he did his job, he went and did his roles. In the midst of an everyday, ordinary week, one day, right, God showed up in a new way for him. And this changes everything. And I think, at least for me, I'll put it this way, at least for me, this is a word of hope, actually. Because I don't know about you, but for me, most of my days are pretty ordinary and regular, actually. Like most of my days kind of look like this. You know, I have meetings. I try to write a sermon every now and then. I meet with people. I have, you know, kids that we have to get off to school, make lunches, go to hockey, do all those sort of things. My life feels very ordinary and regular most of the time. And if, if God only showed up in extraordinary uh, moments outside of my regular life, there wouldn't be much hope. But here in the story, what we see is there's just a regular guy, Zechariah, going about his regular activities, and God shows up and changes everything. What this means for us is that if tomorrow your life seems pretty ordinary and regular, that's great because that's exactly the kind of spaces and places that God shows up in everyday, ordinary moments. One day, Zechariah is serving, and he encounters God, and everything changes. So what's my main point today? It's that if we want to experience God in the midst of Advent, in the midst of hoping, longing, and waiting, the way we do that is to seek to be faithful to Him, watching and waiting to anticipate God's arrival in everyday moments. So practically, what does this mean? Well, I want to today give you two things. That first, first, what I want to invite you to do, if you want to encounter Jesus in this Advent season, what I think uh, we're called to do is this first, is to just not give up, to not give up. To not give up hoping, to not give up praying, to not give up longing, to not give up seeking Him, or to put it in more Christian language, right? The first step is really just this, for us to be faithful to God, right? That's what we read in the story. Zechariah was faithful to all the Lord's commandments. I think we need to do the same thing as well. We need to pray, read our Bibles, go to church, all that sort of stuff. We should be faithful in this season. But I want to be really clear with this, okay? That faithfulness, that faithfulness uh, does not obligate God to show up. It is not that we are earning God's arrival or invitation or encounter through faithfulness. I'm going to be really clear with that. That's not how this works. That if you are faithful, it does not cause obligation on God's part, and it also isn't us as a way to coerce God to show up, to manufacture it, to force it. Instead, here's what I believe faithfulness does and why it's necessary if we want to actually experience God. Faithfulness, what it does, is it actually causes us to pay attention to the right things so that we might be prepared to notice and to see when God shows up. That's what faithfulness does. It actually creates within us an awareness and anticipation for God's arrival that we might see Him when He shows up in the midst of our everyday lives. So the first thing is, if we want to have a divine encounter, I think we need to be faithful. I think we need to keep uh, moving forward. I think we need to keep praying, keep holding on, all of that. And let's remember, faithfulness is not perfection. Faithfulness is not certainty. Faithfulness is being like Zechariah, kind of a mixed bag of hope and doubt, but someone who is still committed and kept going and didn't give up and didn't give in. And I think that's what paves the way for him to notice and to see God's movement within his life. So the first thing is faithfulness. The second thing that I want to invite you into is not only being faithful, but then to watch for God in your everyday. To just watch for God in your everyday. Right, to pay attention in your everyday moments for perhaps whenever God may show up. And what might it look like? Well, it might look like an angel. Obviously, that happened in this story. But I think really, maybe one layer deeper, what we should be paying attention for is this. I think we should be paying attention for, for any time where time feels different, deeper, or more full. That's what I invite you to pay attention for. I want to invite you to attention for whenever time seems to shift and change, where it feels deeper, different, and more full. 
Because I'm telling you, as soon as Zechariah ha- heard that his name had been you know, uh, chosen through Lot, time would feel a little bit different for him. This was a really big honor for him to go into the temple. It would feel like a moment that had more possibility than other ones. And what I want to invite you into is to pay attention for those moments in your life. Or to use more ordinary language, pay attention for like extraordinary moments in your ordinary life. These are moments that you aren't seeking to manufacture, that you aren't seeking to coerce or to force. You just pay attention for them. Because remember, when God showed up for Zechariah, it was in the midst and in the middle of an ordinary week. So practically, what does it look for? Well, maybe it just means paying attention. So maybe for you, in an extraordinary moment where all of a sudden God might move, it might be around your dinner table, where all of a sudden your kids are actually really talking and life seems more full and everybody seems open and present. Like, pay attention at that moment. Or maybe it'll be as you're driving. All of a sudden, a song comes on that's just the right song at just the right time, and all of a sudden you feel more open to the world. Pay attention in that moment. Or maybe it'll be a conversation with a coworker. Have you ever had this happen? Or all of a sudden you're talking with someone and time feels both slow and fast all at once. It just feels different. Pay attention in those moments. That's what I want to invite you to do, to be faithful to God and to simply be watching and waiting for how he might show up in your everyday life. Because what I believe the deep, deep hope of this story is, is that God shows up in everyday, regular people's lives. That's the that's deep hope of the story. God shows up in everyday, regular people's lives. And so this week, as we start off Advent, I want to invite you for Advent specifically to be faithful, to be faithful, but then to keep watch. Keep waiting, keep looking, keep anticipating for Jesus to show up because I believe that he will. I believe that's what God is always doing. He is taking that first step towards us and he wants to show up in your life and in mine. So would you watch for it? Would you wait for it? Would you seek to notice it? Pay attention for where all of a sudden things seem a little bit deeper, more full. There's more possibility. And I think that's when we open ourselves up and say, God, what are you doing in this moment? To watch and to wait for him. So what's my challenge this week? My challenge is, would you be faithful and just watch for God to show up in your every day? Would you be faithful? And then would you just watch for God to show up in your every day? And then my prayer is, is that you will see him, find him and encounter him as he seeks you, as he finds you, as he encounters you. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to explore different ways to have experiences and encounters with God. But I believe today what we can learn from Zechariah is let's be faithful and let's keep watching and waiting because the beauty of the gospel is that God loves to show up in everyday lives in ordinary moments when we least expect it. And might we pray that that happens for you and for me this week. So with that, would you join with me in prayer today? God, I ask, I ask, would you first help us to be faithful to you, to continue to do the right things that you have called us to do, to continue to follow you and to reach out to you. And Lord, if we are kind of a mixed bag of both faith and of doubt, I pray, God, would we know, would we know, would we know your love, your mercy, and your strength in all that we are facing. And then, God, I pray to you, would you give us eyes to see you at work? Would you give us a heart that is anticipating and longing for you to show up? God, would you give us, Lord, the ability to really encounter and experience you this week? I pray would you surprise us. I pray would you show up in everyday moments. And I pray, God, would we have encounters with you that leave us transformed and changed. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.